Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week, Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How you doing there in London? I'm doing fine. London is having a lovely a hotel late... room you have there. Thank you. London's having a nice late summer. Yeah. Um, so let's get into this. There's um, you're coming back from vacation, so you're probably not too connected. So we'll give we'll give you a little bit of slack on that, Joe. Slack but, or flack. <laughs> slack, slack, flack, whatever. But let's jump into this. This wasn't a particularly big week for data. Obviously, um, we're going to head into a, a bigger week next week, and we're obviously starting in a in a month where there's a big round of central bank decisions from the DM. We had a couple this week: the Canadians and the Australians. But more importantly, next week the ECB. But let's let's start. Um, where are we here in the cycle? Our basic view I characterize in terms of near-term growth is one of resilience um, uh, and uh, an idea that part of that resilience is reflecting a, a rebound taking place in the global manufacturing sector. Uh, so looking at through that through the lens of the incoming data, what's your perspective with the fresh set of eyes having been away for a couple of weeks? Well, I, I think we're, we're going through a period of expected deceleration uh, and we don't want to kind of fight that and we should expect to see some deceleration in the data and the data certainly have that in there. I think whenever you have kind of a sense of of that type of deceleration, you, you kind of don't know where the deceleration is going to end, right? So if I look at the, the PMIs that we had this week, those continue to come off after peaking in, in April. Uh, and uh, What do you mean is, by deceleration, Joe? I mean, uh, we have third quarter. Well, I mean, we have a U.S. Uh, economy that's supposed to be kind of slowing down to a kind of softish above from above potential down to slow, uh, below potential, not breaking into recession, but a deceleration. We had a kind of a, a, a boom in China in the first half of the year. I, it slowed in the second quarter. But if I'm thinking first half, second half, I think we think things are going to be uh, kind of slowing. So let's, let's be careful uh, what you're saying, because the U.S. is is producing a, a very strong third quarter. What you're saying is from July forward, you've got some deceleration in the U.S. Yeah. The U.S. has been accelerating. Yeah, China has right. been decelerating through July, and we're looking for it to pick up, right? There's, it's not It's not like there's a clear message of global deceleration or global acceleration in our forecast. It's... Um, I guess I, I kind of figured we were stepping back and taking a bigger picture view here, which is that the cycle is has had a lot of resilience to these shocks, and that was because of a lot of supports that we've been talking about. And we have an expectation that monetary policy drags are going to start to bite a bit more. Some of the fading of the headwinds as a support, those are going to kind of pull back, and that's going to leave you in a global economy that is a bit slower, right? And 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 that raises some some risk. So when I look to the PMIs, which I kind of have as a trend type indicator there, I, I think you see some of that. Uh, I think the momentum loss is a bit more concerning to me in those PMIs than they are to you. Uh, and I, I appreciate your point of view on that. I think when I look sectorally, we've been really making a big deal about the 
Um, the, that kind of sectoral split with services doing a lot better and the goods sector quite weak and expecting some closure of that divergence. And you are seeing that in the PMIs. But I, I take this, these August prints and really the last few months prints on that, I think the services are coming off more than what we would have hoped and the manufacturing is lifting and that's encouraging, but not quite as much, at least as I would have uh, hoped there. So we're in this world of kind of observational equivalence between a, 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 a positive view and a kind of more negative things are looking fragile view, I think. I, I, we still lean towards a we meeting you. Well, let me, let me stop you there, because that's not the way I'd characterize the world. Yes, in our 2024 forecast, we have a, a weaker U.S. economy. Yeah, that's there. Uh, but I characterize the world as our second half is about the same as our first half in terms of GDP forecasts. We have expected rotation between services and manufacturing. And I think the way to describe the world is it's not fragile at, at all, that as we kind of talk through these ups and downs, we're not talking about recession risk. We're not talking about the, the risk that something is breaking here. We're just talking about the normal variations in terms of whether or not GDP is going to be stronger or weaker. Uh, and what happens in 24 will happen in 24. We'll see. But right now, it is right. And I think you're correct to say that the PMIs are showing somewhat more uh, momentum loss in services than we would like to see right now and less momentum lift in, in manufacturing than we'd like to see. But I don't feel like... Um, this is a story of fragility or anything that I'm worried about in terms of uh, something getting, you know, seriously. I don't know, off Bruce. Course. I mean, if I if I look at the China story, that worries me. If I look at the European story, that worries me. And yeah, and then I've got the U.S., which is kind of going game busters in the third quarter. Um, there's going to be some choppiness in that in that data flow. I, I I would agree. I'm already anticipating your your response, but we are looking for a contraction in retail sales next week. That's going to come out with a thud. Of course, you're going to say that's noise after some strong months, and I would agree. Well, let that. me just sort of let me just sort of ask the question: What actually worries you? Are you worried that we're going? I'm to worried Europe is going. I'm worried that we're going to change our call for, and we're going to say Europe's going to be in recession by the fourth quarter. I'm worried okay. that something breaks in China and China ends up being kind of closer to 3% in the fourth quarter. I'm worried that that spillover, which we've kind of pushed back against, actually leads to a bit more of a, a pullback in the, uh, in the U.S. Uh, that our call with it, you and I pushed back against of a, of a U.S. recession in the fourth quarter that maybe something starts to uh, starts to feel a bit more fragile. And I want to be clear to you and to viewers, that is not my baseline view. It's just, you know, I'm, I feel like the last kind of three, four months have been very constructive in the sense that there was a fear that the, the financial shock from the, the, the spring was going to be the, the straw that broke the camel's back, that things were going to break down and we were going to start to see a U.S. recession maybe in the fourth quarter. That was a fear. That was not our fear. We pushed back against that. And I think we, we've, you and I feel fairly right about that. We're not out of the woods. And I, I do think that the data flow is going to start to soften here. And I'm, I'm going to see some of that, I would characterize fragility. And I know you and I have been debating this all week. You you seem like there's 0% chance that something breaks by December. Well, I mean, if Europe has a small negative on GDP in the second half, 
I don't think that's a world where we break. Uh, I think we've seen the downward momentum in China. I think it's more likely that China stabilizes or does somewhat better here. And I think China is going to get material benefit from what I do think is a lifting in tech and industry globally. Uh, yeah, the U.S. consumer is going to weak in the next month or two. Um, but that's not a story of weakness in the U.S. after you had two months of five-tenths real gains in consumption in a row. Uh, to have two months of zero is not something that worries me. Um, I'm not... I'm not trying to argue for strength here. And I'm not trying to lose sight of regional differences here where you have weakness in Europe uh, and you have clearly weakness in China. But when I look at the world overall, I see a world in which overall global growth is okay. The US is at very little risk of anything going wrong in the near term. And that's obviously the most important thing from the point of view of a more broad global break. I'm pretty comfortable with the view that the global industrial sector is actually doing better, maybe not a lot better. And I think that has a lot of positive uh, repercussions uh, as we make our way through the second half of the year, particularly for a country like China, but also for other countries in the world. It's to me, plus or minus, uh, not black or white. And that's the way I would look at the world right now yeah i yeah. i would I, mean, I would downplay the yeah, worry of something breaking and get into the nuance of who's doing better who's doing worse where's the moving parts and obviously what that means for inflation in central banks which is a a big part of the story in terms of the uh the forward picture here about where where we are going to be in 24 which obviously is in some ways to me the big issue is how does the next three or four months set us up for whether we'll be on a sustainable expansion path in 24 or not. And that is still a big open question. I'm not trying to lose sight of the the risks and the uh, potential for things to really surprise us in that in that space. Again, I mean, yeah, I think that you're laying out a baseline that I generally uh, agree with. I'm saying like if I just- well, I'm not talking about a baseline. I'm saying I don't have a sense of downside. I don't have a sense. I, what I'm really trying to say right. is not the baseline. Well, it sounds like what you're tail, saying is you're going to take a set- you're going to take a set of negative data. Yeah, I, I get it. You're right. And I mischaracterized that you're you're talking about the risk and you don't see much risk at all. And I don't want to paint you in the corner and say you say zero risk, but you just you see a lot less risk. And I I guess if I just look at the data flow um, again, I just think there's a little bit more kind of negative tone in the data flow in a world where you talk about a manufacturing lift, but I, I guess I, I was out. So, but what are we looking for for manufacturing in August in the U.S.? Well, we had 0.6 in July and we'll have minus 0.3 in August. Right. I look at that as a relatively constructive signal if it prints that way. Um, I don't know, two tenths. Um, but, uh, you know, retail sales is also going to be negative. Motor vehicle sales also negative but you're uh, i mean the I u.s know, is not your problem the u.s going i i, I agree I, oh i agree like my, my so big why are we Europe's why are in recession we, i'm not because i'm, I'm not I'm trying to ignore the fact that the u.s started the third quarter super strong and is going to end the third quarter softer but i don't see that as that's the moment a, that's how i started this remember and i thought you were taking issue with the the, the kind of deceleration that we're starting I'm taking issue with the idea that you use that to describe fragility or start to talk about downside risk of something breaking. That's what, that, I'm talking plus or minus, and obviously the U.S. momentum is gonna be minus here in the next couple of months, I'm with you on that. U.S. is but gonna you, be minus, China's 
going to continue to be soft and Europe is probably minus. I don't think China, I think China is going to do a little better in the next couple of months. And I think global industry is going to do a little better in the next couple of months. For what it's worth, we're not looking and, for much of any turn in retail sales and next week's uh, activity numbers. Retail sales in, stay soft. In what country? China. China. We get, we actually get the China data dump next week. Okay. Uh, on Friday. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get where maybe we're just being ornery. I, I, I don't, um, <laughs> I don't, I'm missing vacation already. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not uh, letting you off the hook here, Jeff. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's, let's turn to the ECB because that's the big event next week. And well, I do think more broadly before you get to the ECB, the first, the inflation side of things, the other thing you are seeing is that just some soft inflation numbers right and, and one of those was at least while i was away was the european inflation numbers came in um uh you know i think when you take out these these adjustments what what core is running like two tenths or something like that i mean that's well we think it is we don't know what it is we'll have to wait and see if we get yeah but that's our you know. expectation that it's running about two tenths which is kind of quite a bit softer than what the ecb is looking for and we'll we'll parlay that into our ecb call next week in a second but Next week's U.S. retail sales is, or not retail sales, but CPI report. We're also looking for another soft number there, right? What, what's the, what are we looking for on core? I think 0.15, yeah. Yeah, that's three straight months of basically 0.15. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're running below 2% annualized on a three-month basis. You're seeing the kind of core goods disinflationary impulse globally. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, that argues with combined with what I think are some building, you know, downside risks. And again, I do not want to overstate it. Right? I'm, I'm kind of lean more in the Goldilocks. You lean more in the boy of the frog. Neither of those have a near term recession in them. Uh, but, it, you know, you've got some soft data. You've got inflation that's coming off faster than people expected. What does that mean for central banks? I think it means you just get a kind of sweep of pauses here. Uh, among those that we thought were going to be um, maybe hiking a bit more. And that the first up is, of course, the ECB. Yeah, I think the ECB call, though, is not one which gets driven by their reading of the inflation data. I think the question no, is whether sign. it's how much do they put the uh, concerns about growth into the picture. And I do I do. I mean, think that's, that's true, Bruce, but that's not fair. What allows them to focus on growth is the fact that inflation combined with wage inflation, which also is looking kind of, I think, a bit. Uh, softer than um, has come off. Um, you know, you put those two together, that gives them the luxury to worry about the kind of growth momentum concern. And frankly, I wonder why, and I know you do too, like, I mean, we still have a call for another hike, uh, not next week. We think they pause, but we have a call for another hike. Why don't they just go on pause altogether here? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's a growth story. I think if it was not a threatening um uh, a story coming from the PMIs on the euro area, I think they would go in the context of what they're seeing on inflation. But I think the mm -hmm. growth numbers are, are worrisome enough at this point that they will probably pause. And I what, what about the other extreme? If core inflation were still running, maybe not five tenths, but four tenths. Well, I think that's where the that's where the Bank of England call. <laughs> No, that's what yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Interesting because they think yeah. the Bank of England has growth concerns as well. The labor market data is eased, 
they probably put less weight on PMIs and their other survey data in the in the UK that actually have improved. Uh, but they've got a different inflation picture um, and they've got reasons to be more concerned. So I think the argument that they, the following week when they meet at the same time as, the, basically the same time as the Fed, that they will move 25 basis points is exactly that story that the inflation numbers yeah. have been high enough well, now to keep you're, them going. Yeah, that, I think that is the point, that the the, the easing in inflation in, in Europe gives them the luxury to kind of focus on some of these growth concerns. In the ECB, I'm talking. Right. Um, okay, I'm not sure I'd describe it that way. I think this is a pure, hey, you've got a recession risk, you don't move. Um, I don't think there's a luxury coming from the inflation numbers in the euro area at this stage. But um, anyway, either way, I think it gets them to yeah, the growth. Yeah, we're both, in agree. well, we're both in agreement. Not only do they pause next week, but I think you and I are pushing back against beyond that. Like, why don't they well, just stay on hold here? Yeah, I think... I don't think you tighten in the face of what is a legitimate uh, fear that your your economy could slip into into negative territory. And yeah. quite frankly, I think part of the issue from my reading of of, of the euro area data is I don't understand why the euro is so weak. So that scares me a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and there is, you know, if you don't quite understand it, you you don't want to mess with it is is the way I would look at it as a central banker at this stage. Um, you know, the interesting side of the Fed story, as you say, is that is the uh, there is the inflation, news, which has improved. Your supply side is looking better. You, you know, yeah. you had a pretty good payroll report from that and other information as well. Um, so there is the luxury there to pause, even though you're getting an economy that's been delivering growth that is, you know, for the course of the year, the Fed's probably going to be raising its uh its forecast for GDP growth by a full percentage point when it meets uh, yeah. at the September meeting. Um, yeah. So we'll, I think, you know, here we kind of have a pause. Everybody is probably going to be pausing with a continued hawkish bias. As you said, um, our Euro area team has a high in October from the ECB. Um, but I think we have to also kind of um, recognize that the Fed's hawkishness um, will be kind of either taken out or not based on the ongoing news on inflation. And yeah, you are getting uh, good news. Uh, I do think we have to be pretty careful about not extrapolating it too far, particularly if it's being driven in a dominant way by core goods pricing going down, which I think will be a big disinflationary impulse in the next month or two. But I wouldn't extrapolate that if we're right that we do get an industrial sector recovery uh, globally, because I think the lagged effect of that will be uh, to help firm goods prices down the road. Can we'll I just see take one, li what, one little issue with that? It, it, it relates both the core goods pricing, the manufacturing recovery, and, and then to China. I think it starts with the China story. Like one thing that's been dawning on me this week is we've been seeing a lot of strength in the, in the China IP numbers. You and I have been scratching our heads as to why we have such soft China GDP numbers when, I mean, industrial production is growing close to 20%, right, over the, last, over the last three months. And by the way, next week, we're looking for another strong gain, right? So, yeah. you know, that makes you wonder what's going on. If I told you you have weak uh, final domestic demand, and by the way, your trade numbers are weak, which we got another soft print on exports uh, again, makes you wonder no, where- No, it wasn't that, it wasn't soft on the export number. It was flattish on nominal terms, and I think in real terms it was up on the uh, month. 
Okay. Um, I, I think, okay, let's just smooth through things and maybe not this month, but I think you're no, the not last few months have been weak. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes you think that a lot of that production is going into inventories. And if that's the case, one thing that I do worry about is we kind of have a, a narrative that China policy supports are going to um, uh, are going to support growth, not in the second half, but start to lift the early part next year. But if you've got an inventory drag, that's that could short circuit that, and then that could also kind of dovetail into the broader global story. I, I mean, I don't know. We've been telling inventories lean in most parts of the world. I just wonder what's happening to China inventories at this point. Yeah, I have no clue what's happening to China. <laughs> we have no um, clue what's happening to China, let alone their inventories. <laughs> but I think the basic point there is is you know is an interesting one that if you look at the inventory data in the countries, we can see what's happening. You know, the U.S. has been flat to down over the last uh, three or four months. Uh, Taiwan is now significantly in negative territory. Korea has shifted yeah. from strength to weakness. There's a good setup for those those countries and the, yeah. the problem the problem from the global point of view is as you're making the point is whether or not the goods demand in China and Western Europe is going to be a, a force that um, effectively uh, blunts any dynamic of a shift in the stock building cycle you know, and I think for what it's worth our just globally we, we can debate retail sales broadly and US retail sales is noisy but strong we can say that but um, notwithstanding next week's retail sales number, but uh, our CapEx now caster has come off, right? That That's global CapEx. Um, yeah. And we had a, a good surprising, it surprised us, right? Because we were worried CapEx was going to be weak in the first half and it ended up not being weak at all. It ended up being solid, um, but it's, it's come off now. If our CapEx now caster again is sending the right signal, might worry a little bit about that side of things. So I, I don't want to kind of pour cold water on everything, but, it, you know, I just, I guess, coming back and just kind of looking at the constellation of some of this stuff and it's either a deceleration, which is where I wanted to start and uh, to kind of our forecast, or it's uh, something kind of a little more pernicious. And that's that observational equivalence that we talked about at the start of the year. Okay. I'll let you have the last word, although I think you're being too downbeat. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Let's leave it there and uh, hope we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV. Thank you.